Chefs. Welcome to another episode, Hustle Like You Broke. Jumping right in today, skipping over the intros. You know all of us. You'll hear about our guest in just a second. Very excited to have her on the show. Yes, I did say her. Not enough female representation in this industry as far as we here are concerned. And we're coming off Mother's Day this past weekend. Might be a weekend removed by the time this episode airs. But to all the mothers out there, we want to say thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. There really aren't enough mothers in this industry, enough women in this industry, as I said. That might be part of the reason. I know that being a woman, thinking about a family, it's real easy for a guy to have a family and say, see you later. I'll be back soon. Yeah, you miss them. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But I know in my personal experience that probably the best tour coordinator I ever had, or definitely top two, had a baby a couple of years ago, came off the road, hasn't gone back, obviously not going to right now. But when this whole thing is over, baby's still only a year and a half, maybe two. She's not trying to be on the road. And I realize that's definitely a complicating factor. I'll be real curious how that how that goes in the end. And, you know, during this coronacation, we talk about, you know, the distancing, obviously, the inability to see our families. We do Zoom calls. We do FaceTiming, whatever. We do virtual toasts and things like that. That got me thinking, actually, in terms of drinking. You know, we talk about mental health issues on this show. We talk about, you know, ways to avoid, you know, being unhealthy in this time. You know, my good friend Kyle Hamilton, say hello, Kyle. Balance is in the building. Good evening. As of a couple weeks ago, had already dropped 20 plus pounds, taking full advantage. Very much respect him and uh, appreciate that, that he is using this time wisely. Me, myself, I, I might be drinking a little more than I should. I know my kids are listening. Daddy's just making this part up. Don't listen to him. But um, you know, has anybody out there, out there, anybody else heard of this Drizzly app? Any of you guys? Banks? Dallas? Yeah. Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This thing is incredible. Drizzly. I, it's, it's fairly new to me, but during this time where I don't want to go to the supermarket any more than I have to, I got to put on full body armor just to go down the street. I've taken to using this service and it's fucking brilliant. I mean, for people who don't know, it's basically like Postmates or Uber Eats for alcohol. And they don't check your ID. You just plug in the app and the shit just shows up on your door. I mean, if I was a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid right now, kids, again, don't listen to daddy, but like this shit is crazy. And and it got me thinking, what what does that do for the weed man on the road? What what does that do for the guy you call to buy your alcohol when you're a teenager and you don't know where to go? Like these people no longer have jobs. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I don't know. Somebody? Anybody? It's great because it's convenient now. <laughs> now they're talking about doing this for weed, though. They're talking about making it legal to just drop the marijuana on your door. I, I mean. Is Coke next? Are they going to do this with heroin? I'm not one of those believers in gateway drugs, but 
I mean, the access to this shit, it's, it, it can't be good. Is it? Can it? Are, are we going to be on the road and all of a sudden we just hit up Drizzly and can you drop it backstage at the arena and boom, there it is? We got to get back on the road first. I mean, we do, but, but I'm just thinking big picture. Like, historically, you think about what distancing means. Beck, you know, forget this coronation. Like, this is why artists turn to heroin on the road. Like, they're, got, they're isolated. They, they've got time on their hands. The fuck else are they going to do? So they turn to doing some crazy shit that maybe they shouldn't. I'm just, Or maybe they should. Maybe it's good for their art. I don't know. I don't know. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I fucking crazy? I'll shut up about it. We should try something crazy. And I think we should just start washing our hands. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker and washing his hands. Anywho, um, our guest today, we're, we're very fortunate to have her on. She is a highly educated woman with a master's degree, worked in corporate America for a number of years has started an organization called Commissions, that's K-Mission D, Commissions, to encourage more women and minorities to pursue STEM careers. Now, before I talk about that, I, I just want to ask about Florida. And Kristen lives in Orlando. Dallas, you live in Orlando. Does, does that mean the two of you are inherently in a fight, or are you cool? Not at all. And I live in Miami, I think is what you wanted to say. Yeah, we're totally cool. So you live in Orlando <laughs> and Miami, but but you're cool with each other. That's okay. Of course, absolutely. That's my sister. See, he, oh, jeez. Well, here here's my thing. Like, I don't get Florida. Is Florida like an East Coast state? Is Florida Southern state? Like, what the fuck is Florida? Florida to me Banana is like fucking Republic. Te- we are on our own. Exactly. That's what the fuck I'm saying. It's like Texas. Like you like you don't have the balls to say you're going to fucking We're you incognito. Know, uh, incognito. Connect yourself or some shit like that. Isn't that what they say in Texas? That they could just, you know, leave the union at any yeah. given time. Yeah, we're not They've about been all trying. That. We're not about They've all been that. trying. But yeah. We're just trying to chill. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's trying to relax, to mind their business, whatever little bit of crazy they got on the earth, they can do that. When it starts involving Enjoy other some sunshine. Right. Get on your boat, go sailing, you know, fishing, whatever you like. Wash your hands and chill. Sounds like bullshit to me, Bank. Kyle Banks, do you, do you buy this? Come on, back me up here. What do you think? I think it's fraudulent. I'm with it. I'm with oh, it. Oh, that's weak. Come on. I was, I was expecting more. It's the same. They got beef. It's low key, though. <laughs> no, man. I mean, I, I, I'm a Florida transplant, but, you know, I moved down here because I wanted to feel like I was on vacation when I got off the road. So that's what about a coronacation? Well, you know, that was unintended. <laughs> but it's the cation. It is. So it works out. So because where we live yeah. is quite, you know, like paradise. So it's all good. So, Kristen, where did you come from then? Uh, I grew up outside Cleveland. Outside Cleveland, which makes sense, perhaps, for the eighth day connection. We'll get back into that. I would like to hear more about your come up for you to tell us what you've been up to. But I also want to say again, Based on this emphasis on STEM, based on the fact that you are a a woman, you know, my, my kids are 10 and 13 years old, and STEM education is obviously a big thing among middle school and elementary age children these days. And, and women in STEM is obviously a big thing across the world, across the world, and, and, and a big topic uh, here in the States in particular. 
So, Kristen Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your STEM background. Tell us how STEM and the concert industry actually factors together, because we've been talking about about technology in the industry, and it's increasingly becoming a technological world, a technological business in a way that we wouldn't have thought before. But but you obviously know this better than anybody. So again, Kristen Dean, thank you for being with us. Talk to us, please. Thank you for having me. Um, so like you said, I have a master's degree. I worked as a mechanical engineer for a number of years in the automotive industry. And I got really disheartened in corporate America, uh, you know, kind of feeling overlooked, not challenged, not given the chance that I deserved. And then I just decided I would, you know, corporate wasn't me. So I kind of decided to go back to another passion I had, which was music. Um, I played instruments, sang in choirs. Um, so, you know, and I'm a tech person. Like I like doing things with my hands. Tech makes sense to me. So that's how I ended up in say audio engineering. You want to know how that relates to STEM? Tell us anything and everything that that we that would educate us, that would educate our listeners, anything you care to impart. We appreciate it. For those that don't know STEM, when we say STEM, we're talking about science, technology, engineering, and math. And when you think of those careers, you think of people that are doctors or scientists, um, people that are engineers. But I would challenge you to say that people that work in the concert industry, especially I can speak for audio because that's what I do. Um, we use all kinds of technology. It, I would say that it's more non-traditional. Uh, as a system tech, I have to know how to do networks. Like 90% of, of my job is networking the amps, networking the speakers and making sure it all works. So what is a systems engineer? So when we go into a town for a show, my responsibility is to make sure that audio works for the day. Um, we go in a room and there's nothing in there usually. Sometimes there's another PA, but we travel with our own for our tours. Uh, I have to go in, take measurements. Not a lot of math, but I have to know how to use math. Um, I have to take measurements, then I open up whatever software applies to the PA system that we're using. And basically, I put that room in the software and then I put our system in that software to make sure that our system can cover that whole room so that every seat in the house hears exactly what's going on during the show. I will say, jumping back in as a non-audio guy, that to me, a great systems engineer and a great front of house really is you know, the difference between a good show and a bad show. We talked about this in another episode not long ago, and, and I think that you know it's so important to have that coverage without the blasting. Kyle... You tell us, remind us what we were talking about, because the difference between quality audio, I'd never even thought about the, the math that's involved. This way over my head, obviously, um, but makes total sense. And, and, you know, I'm so tired of going into arenas and being blasted and hearing terrible echo and all of that. And that balance, as you like to say, Kyle, to talk to us, both of you guys talk about, about that. Chris, you know, you're an audio guy as well. I'd love to hear more about about the audio world. Well, actually, with regards to uh, what Christian is as a system engineer, I look at them as like the co-pilot of the ship for me. 
I'm flying it and they make sure everything else is cool. And if I were to go down, technically she could take over, you know, and continue on. But, you know, we do have to, you know, work hand in hand because things that I may hear she may miss or things that I may not hear she catches. So, you know, especially when it comes to tuning the room, because I'm never going to be the one going into the rafters listening to anything. Whereas she'll go up there with the tablet and, you know, make adjustments so that, you know, the person in the, you know, in the 305 section dead center, which is the absolute furthest point from the PA, can have some sort of a listening environment that, you know, it's pleasing. You know, at least they hear the vocals. They may not hear or feel too much low end up there. But end of the day, you know, when you pay, you know, $4 for that seat, you get $4 worth of sound. Uh, we try not to do that, but yes, sometimes <laughs> it happens. Uh, <laughs> and he's absolutely right. It, it's not system engineer versus uh, front of house engineer. It's definitely a team environment. Um, I had an engineer tell me once, like, you're the only one that I know that actually goes up and walks and listens to the room. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's part of my job. I have to make sure that the sound covers the whole room. I don't want to go in the production office at the end of the night and they'd be like, yo, we got a lot of complaints from section 305. They said they couldn't hear anything up there. And then I say they didn't pay to hear. They paid to be in the building. Yeah, but that, but to me, I also <laughs> try to make sure that they can hear something, even if I have to tie into the house system. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and up there in the rafters where you need two pairs of binoculars and an oxygen <laughs> um, canister, yeah, you really just aren't paying to be in the building. Those are, you know, not obstructed views, but, you know, they're nine times out of ten out of the pattern of RPA anyway. Right. Um, and then you would have to tie into the system to, you know, give them some sort of intelligibility up there. But, you know, all seats aren't made to be heard. They just sometimes you just just to be in the environment and the energy of the concert. Right. Listen to this motherfucker. I, I, all you listeners out there who are used to sitting in the cheap <laughs> seats, I just want to say his name is Kyle Hamilton. He does not represent <laughs> a lot of us. Fuck this guy talking about people who are in the cheap seats don't deserve to hear good sound. Like get them both. Well, when you pay for a cheap, when you pay for a cheap seat, <laughs> you get what you pay for. You can't say I didn't. Well, where are you sitting, ma'am or sir? Well, I'm in row 12, section three, four, section 415. I mean, Kristen just said that she was trying to make it part of her mission to ensure they have a good quality experience. And I was really appreciating that. And you have to butt in with some bullshit about they couldn't afford a good ticket. Come on. We just had a conversation <laughs> with a vendor person. So what happens now? Audio is the first thing cut. So Amen. So since audio is always cut, it's about the visual and the uh, the lighting now. Hey, you get what you pay for. You paid $35 for a seat, you get $35 worth of sound. And that's going to be probably next to nothing if you're in section 410, row 33. Man, Chris. Can't do about in, it. Kyle, in Kyle's defense, we do have a lot of challenges because I, I can remember doing a show in Madison Square Garden. And in the morning, I get the seat map of where everybody's bought tickets in the middle of the afternoon after the PA is time aligned and tuned and we're about to do sound check. They say, Oh, we're going to open up these seats behind the stage. I'm like, well, good luck. I have no speakers back there. There's nothing I can do about that. So that happens a lot. More money, less PA. Yep. And then, then they say, well, we had to open it cause it sold out. It wasn't sold out at 10 AM. So how's it sold out at 3 PM? I mean, what Kristen just said though, I think that 
I think that's a different thing what Kristen just said. And Kristen, I agree with you. And I, I've been I've been in those conversations where you're you know your design is to two forty, and you say fuck it, let's go to two seventy. We can make an extra X number of dollars. But those people usually know. I mean, they're close, and they like that seat. And 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 you can hear not as well. I get that. You hear nothing. I was talking about dead center at the back. I'm just fucking with him. I mean, I really you know what I mean. If you only if you only pay if you only give me enough PA to cover so much, and you being cheap on top of it, you get is get you get what you get. We can't fix that. I cannot create coverage. I can't create if I have if I don't have enough boxes, can't do anything about it. But you know, you mad? Well, how come they can't hear? Well, how come we didn't pay for more speakers? Chris, jump in here and help me out. Let's let's. I mean, Kyle's not the only audio guy here. Tell tell, tell us what you think. I think Kyle and Kristen are absolutely correct. I mean, I just did a tour where they had sold 270, 280, and we had no 270 PA. We literally had to use some of my side fill boxes that I wasn't using in Modern World to try to cover those seats the best way they could. And that's where the system engineer came in because he had to create a, an extra design to compensate for that missing PA. And that was the first thing that got cut was our 270 PA. We had people behind the IMAX screen pretty much the entire tour. I'm sure Kristen knows what tour this is. Uh, let's not do that. We're not going to. No, we're not going to no, talk about no. it. <laughs> and, and I know what you're saying, especially the part about you know selling two or past two seventy. I get that part. And selling past two seventy when you don't have the audio coverage and they're behind the iMag. I mean that's that's atrocious. I, I'm sorry to say that's that's just not right. But. But Kyle was talking more about if you are dead center in the back. And let's move on from that. I, I, we, this, the point of this conversation is not to talk about who gets a good ticket and who doesn't. I, I want to hear more about the STEM relationship and how the, that really factors into audio. Because, again, I don't think a lot of young people think I could apply my knowledge in STEM to working in the concert industry. And, and I think we should think that way. I think that... You know, we've been talking about standards and practices. We've been talking about advancements in the industry on, on this podcast. And, you know, just because you hustle and you can it can rise from, from nowhere to somewhere without get, getting a master's degree or anything like that, certainly I didn't, um, I'm really, really fascinated by the correlation between STEM and concert production. And I would love to see more thinking along those lines in terms of applying your knowledge and your skills to moving into audio, to overcoming the issues that Kyle was talking about initially before we went down the wrong path and, um, and, and, and making it a positive for the business going forward. Tell, tell us more, please, about STEM and about the application in the concert industry. I would say that when you think of audio, it's a sound wave, and we study a lot about waves in physics, which is a STEM category. So a lot of people don't think about down to the root of what we actually do is we're manipulating sound waves, like coming out of the speakers to make sure that the audience can hear. When I set up a system, I have all these pieces and parts that I have to put together to communicate with the sound console, 
getting information from the microphones and putting it out through the speakers. That in itself involves technology, i.e. networking. Um, a lot of my job on a day-to-day -day basis is once I physically have speakers in the air and everything connected, I'm sitting at a computer manipulating to make sure that things sound good in the room. So acoustics is another area of STEM uh, that we have, like every venue is different. One of my least favorite venues would probably have been, they've since changed it, but it was called Phillips Arena. It's now called State Farm. On the house ride side, it was all of the press booths. And from the top of the room all the way down to the 100 section was a glass wall of suites. So if you go into that venue and RPAs are stereo, the house right side is not going to sound like the house left side because you have that glass wall reflecting anything that you send that way. So every time we go into that room, I work with my engineer and we determine, you know, what's a suitable amount of slapback that we're going to tolerate from that side of the PA. And with the software and the systems that I use, I'm able to make my PA on the house left side different from my PA on the house right side just because I know that the building is different. So not only is it, you know, science and technology, I do a lot of problem solving on a daily basis. Like that's probably my biggest de job description is problem solver. How would you solve one of my problems on one of our tools that we've worked with together? For instance, you said slapback. I don't like slapback. I want it quiet. I want it direct and no return. So what will we do in that area? Will we just try to hit the back wall? What are we doing? Well, we can do a few different things. We can change where we're sending the PA. We can manipulate stuff in the software to, uh, in maybe about five years ago, we would call it shading the PA, where we would turn down, say, the top two or three boxes because maybe there wasn't somebody up there or maybe it was a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And that would. Or a lighting truss. Yeah, or lighting trust right in the middle of your PA, yeah. <laughs> so that would help with that slapback. But I have ability in my software where I can say, when I draw the room, I can say, this is a hard surface. So I want you to avoid that surface so that I don't get, I'm not sending as much up there that's going to slap back. Which would be the same thing that I would do in that Phillips Arena example where on house right, I had the glass wall. Well, I'm going to turn that PA down so it's not slamming into that wall because there's not going to be anybody in the suites in the suites during the show. So I don't really need to send any sound up there. But I'm not going to not fly that PA because, you know, when you look at it from front of house, you want everything to be symmetrical. It's kind of a, a mental image thing you want to do too. So I'm still going to fly the PA. I'm going to make it match the other side. To a certain extent, I might change a couple of the angles to avoid some of the glass so that I can try and keep as much of that slapback down. Being a, uh, a very well-respected woman in the industry, prior to your respect level going through the roof, <laughs> do you think you had to, you know, push harder to command the respect of your peers? Um, I would like to say that I try to lead my life by example. Um, I try to prepare as much as I can for various scenarios. 90% um, of my job is working with others. It's not necessarily what I know is how I can work with others to accomplish the task. So over the years, I've 
you know, worked on my interpersonal skills with others. And I've also tried to stay on top of technology to find ways to make my job easier. Because sometimes, you know, we go in in the morning, but sometimes we're late to a show. And we got to do everything like 500% faster. So that's when mistakes get made a lot of times. So I try to, you know, if I've been in a venue before, I keep record of what I did the last time I was there so that I can duplicate it. And it's especially handy in those times when we're like hours late and have to get a show up in half the time. Well, the show must go on. The show must go on. It's going to happen. But um, so as most of the time the the only head woman running around, do you get pushback from, say, for instance, you know, you have a, a front of house guy and he just challenges you on everything you're saying. And it's like, look, this is my PA. I fly this bad boy day in and day out. I know what it can and can't do. You're just pushing, you know, your faders and whatnot. Do you ever have to bump heads with a guy like that? Or do you just say, okay, I'm going to just walk away. I'm going to let you do it. Uh, It's a case by case. I've had one engineer that at, over time I could not work with anymore. Um, it became to the point where he was disrespectful. And thankfully I have the support of an office that I can you know, talk to and make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do so that when he calls and has issues or says that X, Y, Z happened, I've already made them aware of, you know, well, this is actually what happened. And this is why he didn't necessarily agree. And this is what I did about it. Um, I mean, as a woman, whether you're working in sound, whether you're working in an auto plant, whether you're working at the grocery store, you get challenged. I mean, Corporate America is still considered a man's world. And touring is definitely considered a man's world. There aren't that many of us out there. Now, Chris, I got to jump in real quick. We're talking about difficult front of house engineers. And it's funny that the conversation comes from Mr. Kyle Hamilton. Now, I mean, because <laughs> I'm not difficult. <laughs> uh, this is my question for her, not for you, motherfucker. So you can stand down for just a quick second. Thank you very much. Kristen. Please tell us about Kyle Hamilton. And 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 if you say things in glowing terms, we're gonna know you lying. So tell us the truth. Kyle and I haven't worked together a whole lot. Um, I think the first time I met Kyle, we were in rehearsals for Rihanna at Sony Studios. So that was a time when I think we had a newer PA system come out. And honestly, I was filling in for somebody to get things going. And you know, Kyle has a lot of questions. <laughs> and since it was a newer system, I was still learning it, honestly. So I was wearing you out, huh? You were, but I, I don't mind that because, you know, in the end, like later down the line, I can be like, oh yeah, I've had this problem before and I can solve it faster. But so one thing that I like to do is I will, you know, read up on it. I'll talk to the people that I work with that have used it and try and learn it. But I always have somebody's number in my phone when I get stuck. Because I don't know everything. So if something happens or somebody wants to try something new and I don't know how to do it, then I have somebody I can call and be like, hey, so I have this experience. What do you suggest? And I, I, I will let the engineer know if I don't know. So quietly, she's saying I'm an asshole because she kind of nah. screwed the whole question, man. She didn't answer <laughs> shit. I, I did appreciate that, actually, in the answer. It, 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 I mean, it was it was... 
like you were grilling her in a good way, but at the same time, kind of busting your balls a little bit. Like, like that was real. Like if she had said that you were the best, like I've given you props on this show. I'm not busting your balls, but you know, you know, it, it's, it's good. I, we, we like to hear honesty. We like to hear integrity. I, I appreciate that, that she came off like she was telling the truth and yet she still made you sound good. And a bit of an asshole. <laughs> that's, that's what we like to hear on the show. And, and I love the part about obviously that, you know, if you don't know, you know who to call. I mean, that's, she must. She must have watched a lot of Bruce Lee food movies. Uh, the art of fighting without fighting. <laughs> Just to put up with your bullshit, obviously. Yeah, because she didn't say shit. But it's all good. <laughs> now, Kristen, let's let's shift focus for just a quick second. We're talking primarily about front of house. Do you have experience working with monitors, or you specialize working with front of house? How are those different? You know, Chris is primarily a monitor guy. I'd love for him to chime into this a little bit and and hear a little bit about the dynamic between systems engineer and and monitor world as opposed to front of house. Um, I've done both. Uh. I did more monitors earlier in my career, um, teching for the monitor engineer and, you know, helping with the stage and the band. And it's a different challenge. Tell us about it. Well, the different challenge, as, as Chris probably knows, is you have a lot of personalities to deal with when you're working in monitor world. And be it the band or guests or even the artists themselves. And monitor world... In the times that I've done it, you know, they go through a lot of changes sometimes because depending on what city you're in, your artist might want to do something differently and then you've got to figure out how to make it happen. Based, you know, using whatever you've already got or you got to talk to your crew chief or system tech and say, hey, in this city, they want to do this. I need you to order some more stuff for me from the shop. What did you dislike about Monitor World the most? Monitor world, you're on your feet constantly, especially as a tech, um, at least the times that I've done it. Uh, you're wrangling microphones, you're, anything happens, you're on that stage trying to figure out what it is without being seen. <laughs> so what was the transition? What what route did you take from leaving? Because you said you started off doing a lot of more monitor teching. What what moved you to system engineering? What um, What was intriguing about that? I don't know that I actually chose to move. I think it was presented as, hey, we need you to do this. Can you do it? And I said, sure, why not? So I just kind of switched gears. Um, as far as... And you've never looked back. Say that again? And you've never looked back. No, I do I do monitors from time to time. Just usually okay. on system. Uh, sometimes festivals, they'll need a person and I'll go do monitors or whatever. Um is there any difference in like the personality tra traits that are like common? Like a front of house is usually like this and a monitor engineer is usually like that. I I'd love to hear that. If only to bust the balls of Chris and Kyle, obviously. <laughs> uh, for techs, I don't think so. What about, what about the operators though? Uh, I would say that Front of house engineers that I've worked with seem to have a shorter fuse than monitor engineers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> so the so the, um, the monitor engineer needs to be more patient because he's dealing with more personalities. And it's interesting you say that because 
dealing with the artists, dealing with the band, dealing with guests. Chris, I've seen you and I've seen, you know, your text, you know, constantly feverishly. Where's that mic? Got to fix this mic. Hand this mic to this guy. Where's the next guest? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And Kyle, you're out of front of house. You know, the only person who's chomping in, in your ear is usually me. Or you're you sipping a beverage. <laughs> Not me. Okay, maybe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, front of house has to deal with management and friends of the band also. There it is. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this then. So you've obviously you obviously specialize as a tech. You obviously again have that mm-hmm. technology background. Have you been an operator? Do you do that? Are are those totally different fields? Again, educate us, please. I I do do that. Um, I've actually had to step in for an engineer on tour when his mother passed, and I had to do fill in for ten shows. And I was still system tech. So sound like a double check. I was worn out. <laughs> I was worn out, to say the least. Um, it was it, it was more money, but you know it was still a lot more work. Um, I enjoy I enjoyed doing the mixing, but I think I'm more passionate about being a tech, just because I like solving problems, and I feel like you know every venue is a new challenge. Even if you've been there before, you probably have like not exactly the same system that you had last time. Um, you're working with a different crew. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's more to me, I like the technical side of it. Um, you don't want this to happen, but, you know, you have console problems. I'm OK with opening up SD7, trying to figure out what happened. Um, adjusting the power supplies and make sure that it doesn't click off on us during the show, things like that. Um, I like to work with my hands. So I think that's more of a tech side to me than being the operator. I love that. I do. I appreciate that very much. Not used to seeing people who'd rather be doing the the heavy lifting as opposed to the white glove work. (laughs) White glove is not for everybody. I mean, it, it, first of all, in order to, be granted a pair of white gloves you had to be in the trenches yeah you know i didn't always just walk in and say good evening sometimes there was a point in time when i like damn it's morning (laughs) but i've graduated to the evening and uh you know it's good to have both to know both sides so that as a front of house engineer then you can have that conversation that technical talk with your systems engineer to say, look, I'm looking to accomplish this, that, and the third, as opposed to some of the guys who had just been given the position in front of the house who can't communicate to the system in there what they're looking for because they they barely understand signal flow them damn self. So it's good to know both sides of it. So when you go to that other side of it, you can still communicate and get the best um, the best product out of the out of the PA whatever venue you're in because every situation is different and if you don't know how to speak to your engineer your sister your se she he or she be looking at you like what the hell are you talking about you're an idiot and then they go on about their business and do whatever the hell they want to do and you could be fixed like if you don't know how your system is set up with your zones 
you just pushing up the master fader and you just wearing everything out versus, you know, you could pull down this matrix or that matrix for different zone, like your front field. If your front fields are blazing, that give you a whole, a lot of feedback issues and your system is like, yo, pull your punk ass front fields down. You know what the hell you're doing? Oh, 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 okay. Okay. I got you. Good looking. Good looking. Whereas if you knew how to talk that conversation, you're like, yo, something's bothering me. This, this pull the front fields down for me or you do it yourself. But again, when you live, when you when you rely heavily on your SE, he or she can fix you because you don't know how your PA is is zoned, and you just flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah, I definitely appreciate an engineer that has a little bit of understanding about what I do, and we can talk about you know if something's bothering them or if I've noticed something, and then we can go about figuring out how to fix it. That's for that team. That's for that co-pilot. <clears throat> phrase comes from like yo we have to work hand in hand because i need to know everything and she needs to know what i know in this case so that's why you know for me learning you know how to be in the trenches early on in my career now works twofold in my as they call it, the white glove portion of my career mr walt motherfucker always Oh, sorry. So um, when we were talking earlier, Kristen, we were talking um, what Matt mentioned, your K-missioned um, program. And I was wondering, or organization, if you could talk a little further about that. Well, it's still in the developmental stages. Uh, I just know that when I was growing up, there weren't, there wasn't anybody that I could ask about, you know, a career in concert touring or music or anything. And... So as a result of that, that's why I went to school to be an engineer, because I knew I was good at math and science, and I liked working with my hands. And coming from the household of two teachers, you tell your mom and dad, hey, mom, dad, I want to go be a roadie. They're like, that's not happening. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. So part of K-Mission is just to make young kids aware that this even exists. I mean, yeah, they go to concerts but they're not even thinking past the artist on the microphone. I agree with you. Yeah. They don't know that there's something viable that they can support themselves and also have fun while they're at Completely. work. Completely. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm the same. I didn't know anything about this stuff till way later, and I wish I'd known sooner. Yeah, I mean, audio, this is my second career. Like, I did it. I switched over when I was in my 30s. So That's great. Having an example would have been extremely beneficial to me probably, you know, 10 years before that. Of course. That. And now with this um, program, when do you expect to be able to have it in full swing? <laughs> now that you've got all this time on your hands. <laughs> kind of depends on when we can go right, back right. also. I figure that. <laughs> well, Chris, whatever we um, can do to support you with that. I mean, that's our mission here too in many respects. So however we can okay. help you with that, if you've got a website or, you know, feel free to name check it now, of course, but keep us posted We'll post it to our resources on our website, too, and bring you back to tell us more about it, all that. I mean, that's definitely part of our mission and, and why I'm kind of grilling you about the connection between STEM and the concert yeah. industry. Because I do think that, you know, that this next wave of concert industry professionals will be more educated. And, you know, there are more opportunities. There are more schools for that popping up now. And, and it's good to expose people to that. Yeah, um, it's called Commissioned, uh, K-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-D. Uh, website is under construction, but 
I will absolutely let you all know when we're up and running. And I would love to be able to bring some kids and just have them talk to you guys at a show. Cool. Or here on the podcast. Or here on the podcast. We're all about it. So, Kristen, you said you started this career in your 30s. What what was your first tour? My first tour was Earth, Wind, and Fire. It was kind of like a test. The elements. The elements. I was uh, yeah. I was pretty new to Eighth Day, and they wanted me to get some touring experience. So they sent me out to Earth, Wind, and Fire, and my job was to learn how to fly a PA and patch a stage. There it is. And I was hooked. Cool. So do you have a favorite tour? Uh, working with Stevie Wonder was probably like a dream come true. And that was another time that I actually uh, had to fill in as an engineer. And I ended up mixing a few shows for Stevie Wonder as a monitor engineer. Uh, Kyle there yet then or not? No, I wasn't No, there. no. I showed up to Stevie about two years uh, ago. So, so she was spared. I just check. <laughs> well, I was on the other end of the snake for that one too. I was, I was monitor tech. I had 160 some odd inputs to patch every day, mm-hmm. um, and I was wrangling a lot of microphones. You had two consoles, too, probably. I had two consoles, lots of guests, never knew who they were going to be, exactly where they, when they were coming. The just-in-case. Yes. I mean, literally, like, just-in-case DIs on the stage, in case somebody comes with a keyboard or in case somebody comes with a guitar, you, know, you never really know. We have so many random just-in-case inputs. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case, and if somebody shows up, you know it's going to be epic. And you didn't use them all the time, but you used them a lot. It's a lot of inputs, too. Yeah. Hope you had good techs. Wait, you were the tech or you were the, you were the engineer? <laughs> you were the tech. I was both. Uh, I was the tech, um, and I filled in for like three shows as engineer and tech. Double checks. <laughs> no. Kyle's got uh, Kyle thinks about two things only, Kristen. One of one of them is is money, and the other is washing money, yes. your hands. I, I, I hands. Mean, <laughs> we've been doing. Well, that's very relevant in the times that we're in. <laughs> well, right now, I got, all I have is clean hands, and I, I'm not making no new money. I'm spending old money. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. So, how about a best moment, Kristen? Can you give us a best moment or best experience? When she met me with Rihanna. Mm. <laughs> that was a moment. Rihanna or Kyle? Both. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to say it was a good or a bad moment, but there it was a moment. True. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've been very fortunate. Um, I've gotten a tour with some really amazing artists, and I've gotten a tour with some camps that aren't so great. And usually the art so great is just, you know, the disorganization. And I'm a pretty organized person, so that really gets under my skin sometimes. I hear that. So how about some wisdom that you'd like to impart on our listeners? Will you will you leave us with anything that, uh, that we should take? I mean, you've, you've really given us so much. You really have. Just thinking about the, the intellect that goes into you know, the, the day-to-day operations. That's that's a perspective we haven't heard yet. So I think it's fantastic. But is there anything else you'd like to tell us? I think it's important to do things that you love or live your dreams. Like I said, this was my second career and 
I was miserable in my last career. People ask me all the time if I miss it, and I say, the only thing I really miss is the change in the pay scale. <laughs> when I started in sound, I started over. You know, little experience, and, you know, my boss told me, he was like, I didn't hire you because you might know a little bit about sound. I hired you because you have a couple of degrees. And I'm like, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But, you know, I want to be here because I enjoy music. But I didn't want to be, you know, a performer. I wanted to be behind the scenes because, like I said, I'm more technical. And that's where I find my niche. Yeah, because normally when the charts aren't hot, engineers are still mix- mixing and working. But unfortunately right now, Corona is hot. Well, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by everything you're telling us. So I appreciate it. I, I'm, hopefully that check catches up to you. I realize it's not happening right now, not happening for a lot of us. But, yeah. uh, you know, definitely. It's all right. Which check? Unemployment check or regular <laughs> check? <laughs> well, if you're talking unemployment in Florida, that's a whole yeah. other conversation. Oh, isn't so that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> a corona-employment uh, check? Yeah, not so glowing that. statements oh. about Florida now. There it is, fucking finally. Oh, I'm sure you guys have seen that on the national news. That's how great it is. <laughs> well, Kristen, you've been awesome. Any shout-outs, parting shots you'd like to extend? No, thank you guys for inviting me. It's been great. Well, we appreciate you. You definitely sound like a hustler. That is what we do here. <laughs> that's uh, that's what this is all about for us, celebrating the working class heroes of the concert industry. You are one. We appreciate you. We appreciate our listeners. Any follow-up questions for Kristen? You got Instagram that people should know about? I do. Not very active, but my Instagram is K-R-Y-S-D-E-A-N, Chris Dean. There it is. Well... You know ours as well, HLUB Podcast. You could also email us at info at hustlelikeyoubroke.com. We appreciate our listeners. We appreciate our guests. I appreciate my co-hosts, even though I love to fuck with them. I appreciate them letting me fuck with them. Good evening. (laughs) And there it is. Thank you very much. Good night.